again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 137. Uh, I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, covering all things Orlando City and Orlando Pride. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Mainland writer David Rowe up in Tallahassee. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. Uh, back from the con, back ready to get talking about uh, some Orlando City and Orlando Pride soccer again. Uh, it was a nice little break from work and, and thinking about things. Although, to be fair, I did, of course, uh, you know, steal away to watch the uh, the games on my phone. It wasn't quite the big screen, but, you know, you do what you have to do. Well, I'm sorry you did that, <laughs> Dave, because you probably, could, <laughs> yeah, I know, probably right? could have enjoyed that time <laughs> instead of uh, watching the games. Um, that was the, the Tampa Comic-Con? Yeah, okay. yeah, it sure was. Good time was had by all. I didn't know what was going on. I, I might have been uh, tempted to go over there for the Sunday anyway if I had if I had known. Although it's been years since I've been to any uh, any convention really, and I probably wouldn't even know like the the, the current um, you know protocol for conventions, like what you do and and all that. They didn't do like what they do now. Like they didn't have the the mass signups for panels and. Um, you know, right. paying in advance for autograph sessions and crap like that. There was, it was, um, you know, in my experience, my experience with conventions was much more uh, gaming and, um, you know, movie rooms that you had the sort of the movie schedule. You had, um, you know, the, mm-hmm. obviously the, the uh, merchandise room with all the vendors and, um, you know, stuff like that. And then usually there was one or there, there were usually three or four big keynote kind of guests and um it was just kind of catch catch them as you can they would appear periodically so everybody had a chance to see them even if they uh were only going for one day so that's kind of what i did back in the day but i'm sure it's much different now but i'll have to go with a seasoned veteran so i can navigate my way through (laughs) (laughs) yes well count and count on that uh that report coming back a little over a year from now on the uh the 2019 tampa bay comic con all right well I think we've put off long enough talking about Orlando City versus the New England Revolution, Dave. So let's get into it. Um, Orlando City, six points behind New England coming in. Still six points behind New England going out. Um, it looked on paper like a game that a team that has been playing better of late should win against a team that has not done that well on the road. Both teams came in uh, with three straight losses, but arguably... Uh, Orlando had looked, you know, good enough to get get some results in a couple of those games, um, but um, as luck would have it, a simple throw-in no one can handle. Uh, very early in the game, once again, Orlando City falling behind, just a, a long throw into the box. Agadello gets his head on it. Everybody just decides to go bad news bears on it. The, you know, the, the, <laughs> the outfield montage and uh, the ball just bounces into the net. I don't know what anyone was thinking in that situation. Your first job as a defender or a goalkeeper is to keep the ball out of the net. And Tarek saw it coming in and turned away from it. And I don't know what Earl Edwards Jr. was doing on the play. Uh, I have heard people defend Earl and say that wasn't his fault. I'm sorry. He's the goalkeeper. It was his fault. It's like, um, <laughs> you know, when I was playing baseball, if I played center field, I had to run my butt in and back up any ground ball to the second baseman because, you know, what if it gets through? That, right. That was your yeah. job. So goalkeeper needs to be ready in case the defender doesn't deal with the ball. So I don't know what he was doing. I honestly don't. Uh, but 
bad goal, one nil New England, and um, then uh, things got worse. It was uh, it was two made two nil on a, a really just. Uh, I mean, Orlando's defense and and a lot of what they did all night was uh, was poor. Um, Scott Sutter made a pass he should have never made uh, into a, a congested area of the field with with New England pressing high. Uh, gave Shane O'Neill the ball with. Um, uh, I think his name's, uh, I think it's pronounced Casado coming in from behind. Um, easy for him to just arrive at the same time as the ball, poke the ball off of his foot uh, straight to the only guy in the area, which was Christian Pena, who went in and scored and made it 2-0. So uh, right off the bat, you're just going, well, guess nothing's fixed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah you're, uh, you're you're watching the, uh, the playoffs get on that uh, cruise ship and sail away from you as you're standing on the dock. Yes. Uh, so as uh, we wound down the minutes to halftime, uh, New England had a couple of other good opportunities as well with some some poor defending. And, uh, you know, the, the Revs were not able to capitalize. But Orlando City started to get more into the game. And right before the half, Dom Dwyer throws the team a lifeline with a great, uh, great goal uh, off uh, a, a nice assist by Tony Rocha. He got the, the ball in deep and um, uh, from you know, he took the ball from Yoshi, got down the line, crossed it in, nice cross, and uh, Dom did a, did Dom things and put it in, and his tenth goal of the year. Well, it's you know, right there, there were the two people uh, in the game that that did pretty much anything, uh, you know, Yoshi and Dom. So uh, it's you know, no surprise that they they hooked up to to get that one. Uh, like you said, it was dom doing dumb things and it was it was a beautiful shot and you know glad it went in um and, and like you said it it, uh, it took the slightest bit of despair out of the air you know heading into the half um obviously you know it was very obvious that uh Yotun was the the best person for orlando not just in that first half when not a lot went right but uh you know the entire game so it was uh i wasn't surprised that if it was going to happen, that that's how it happened. Yeah, it looked like a really a good, th- you know, you go into the locker room on a goal. That's always uh, it's always a good thing, especially if you've trailed the whole first half like Orlando did. And it was certainly a big lift going into the locker room down to one. Now you've got a whole 45 minutes to turn this game back around. And, um, you know, Orlando came out and they eventually were able to draw level. Uh, it took them a while, but Orlando actually was on the front foot uh, much of the second half. The... Uh, it was set pieces that did it uh, in the second half. Orlando with a, with a set piece, uh, you know, Yoshi sends one in. It finds Amroterek, who misses the net. It hit the post, uh, bounced back across the front of goal. And Matt Turner, the goalkeeper for the Revs, uh, decided he'd be very generous and uh, say, you know what? I, I saw what Earl Edwards Jr. did at the other end, and I feel bad for him. So I'm going to make everybody forget about that. I'm going to smack it into my own net. And that's what he did. And for some reason, the the, the folks at uh, at Opta have decided that that's Amro Tarek's goal, even though it was the clearest own goal you'll ever see. And uh, so it's 2-2. Well, 
Well, that's how bad that everybody feels for us is that, uh, you know, goalkeepers are willing to do own goals and then uh, league officials are, are willing to let us, you know, take the goal for uh, for one of our own instead of uh, instead of giving it to to New England. So uh, great. Congratulations, Amro. Uh, I mean, it's the first time that anybody's at the woodwork that that's happened this season. So that I remember. So I'll take it. Yeah. So Tarek, uh, until they take it away from him, he, he has his first goal as a lion. Uh, congrats to him. Um, uh, but he uh, would not be a hero for very long uh, because just shortly after that, it became 3-2. Uh, Teal Bunbury came onto the pitch, uh, promptly roasted Tarek like a Christmas goose, and beat Earl Edwards Jr., made it 3-2. And you're like, oh, we had all the momentum. What the hell? How do you lose the momentum that quickly? Uh, but it was pretty quick, and New England uh, regained the lead at 3-2. Not good. Well, you say, how does that happen? Well, it's Orlando City this season. It, those things happen to us all the time. Um, you know, we uh, consistently give up the first goal and are always chasing. Uh, we also consistently give up goals late in games, and evidently other times during games, too. It's They've decided that it really doesn't matter what point in the game um, they're willing to give up goals. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, obviously, the defense is a big issue right now, which I'm uh, uh, no doubt uh, James O'Connor knows and, and hopefully everybody else knows because I know all the uh, the fans and, and those watching the games can figure that out. Um, and it's it, it'll be interesting to see if that's fixed, how that's fixed. But uh, regardless, in this game, it the lack of any defense certainly did not help. It did not. And, uh, you know, I asked uh, James that after the game uh, in the press conference. The first thing I said was seven goals against in two games, James. Um, you know, how do you how do you deal with this moving forward? And he, you know, he can't, kept coming back to that. Not only did he talk about it when I asked him, but a few other questions were presented to him, and he kept coming back to I don't understand how we're giving up these cheap goals. Uh, other teams don't seem to give them to us. It would be really nice to have these easy goals that nobody has to work for, you know, be presented to us. I'll be looking forward to that happening for us. James, you're, you're coaching Orlando City, but that doesn't happen the other direction. It's it's one way. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got to you've got to figure out a way to overcome the disadvantages there, Mr. O'Connor. Yeah, it's it's a shame. He's you know he's putting a lot of work into this and and trying to turn this thing around. And it's you know it just seems so close to being turned around. And they'll play very very well for long stretches and then just a brain dead moment. And yep. and that was one of those moments when New England took the lead. Um, you know, it was a great move by Bunbury, but uh, at the same time, you know, just to get scorched that badly on the back line is just uh, it's, it's unforgivable. I mean, it, you know, it started out above the box, you know, if nothing, if yeah. nothing else, you know, knock the guy down, take the yellow card and let the guy line up for a free kick. But what are you going to do? But, uh, you know, the Cats were not done fighting. Uh, they brought out Stefano Pino, Chris Mueller. Uh, trying to get some offense late in the game. Um, neither of those gentlemen would do anything to provide any offense, but Pino did manage to draw a free kick very, very late in stoppage time. And uh, Yoshimaru Yotun, uh, you know, he lined up, sent it in. Scott Sutter got his head on it, and boom, it's 3 3. You know, give it up for Pino. Uh... 
for at least being able to draw a foul or two here or there. Um, I, I think that's most of what he's done other than the, the odd goal. But uh, it, if it gives uh, Yotun a chance on the ball, then that's, uh, that's probably a very, very good thing, especially given that he had a hand in every single uh, goal that, uh, that night. And, uh, you know, Sutter, welcome back. And Scott, I know uh, you've been back for a game or two, but it's, it's still nice to, to have, a season pro despite you know maybe also not having the best mm-hmm. game uh but you know getting it done when it counts getting his head on the ball and and at least saving a point for the lions uh you know even though it really probably should have been three if they hadn't had mental lapses but that's kind of what we're used to now yeah, the the back line played poorly across the board um for the most part i, I I thought O'Neal played decently. I know he was dispossessed for the goal, but I really can't fault him too much because there's not a lot of uh, that he can do there if uh, if he's given a pass like what Sutter gave him now. If and I also don't know, you know, we're not down on the field. I can't tell if somebody let him know that the guy was coming or not. But uh, you know, even if he's if, even if he, know, he knows he's coming, all Cal, all Casado has to do is is uh, is just poke a toe around the guy. That's really all he has to do. So it's, it's very difficult to shield the ball in an open area of the field like that. And um, when the guys come in like that, so it's, uh, they all had their problems. Sutter at least has the excuse of he hasn't played and he's trying to work his way back into, you know, um, getting used to playing with the other players, getting back to full match fitness, getting his, his rhythm and his, you know, and getting that chemistry down. Um, and really, that's been the problem all year long for Orlando City. The back line has no chemistry because it's a new back line every other game. It's, it's very rarely been the same back line. And, the, you know, the two starting center backs are out. Uh, now you've got El Munir. Uh, apparently, he's now a midfielder. I know he, he's had some issues with back post defending and occasionally switching off. Um I think most defenders in this league have the occasional switch off moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the weakness in his game is the back post ball. I get it. Uh, but PC does not seem to be the answer at left back. <laughs> and now you've oh. got a, you've got a left attacking midfielder who can't score goals. So it's, it's a very difficult pill to swallow to watch the, the lineup the way it's been lately. Um, and uh, but it is what it is. Uh, Yuri Rosell was out with a hamstring issue. I'm not sure why that wasn't reported to MLS. It was not on the injury report, even though he's missed uh, the last couple of games and hasn't been training for some reason. I guess the, the, the rules of, of letting MLS know what injuries you have don't apply for some reason. Um, One would have thought we would have at least heard that there was a dreaded lower body injury. Yeah, in fact, I joked about that in the press box on uh, on Saturday night. I said, you know, somebody said, what's, I said, what is wrong with your Rosell? What is the injury? Is it a lower body injury? And I was told uh, by uh, Rafa Cabrera, no, no, I'll find out what it is officially, but it's not, we're not calling it a lower body injury. <laughs> so uh, maybe that was a Jason Christ thing, the lower, dreaded lower body injury. Um, but, or Rafa's heard us say it so many yeah. times on the podcast that he was just like, yeah, let me get you an actual answer here. So the, uh, you know, Lamine Sané remains out with uh, a knee. Um, you know, it's uh, his knee or a quad. I lose track. Uh, Spectre is at least running now. Uh, so hopefully he'll be back at some point uh, before the end of the season. Um, we need having the, the captain back. That would be uh, that'd be novel. And, and not just the captain, the best defender on the team. 
it, it, also it's, that uh, it's he doesn't only defend better at central defense than anyone else on the team but he also is a good communicator he sniffs out some danger before it happens he helps others sniff out danger before it happens they really need him on the field for extended periods of time not just you know if he comes back for two games and gets re-injured you know he hasn't really gotten back into the groove yet you need you need games you need consistent games and and that's one thing that orlando has not had this year so uh, anyway, the final whistle could not come soon enough because before it came, uh, for some reason on the restart after the last Orlando City goal, Dom lost his mind and went after a New England player and got a yellow card. And that precipitated a scrum. And the scrum, in the the grand scheme of things, Yoshimar Yotun gets a red card. So he will not be in the D.C. United game. Because um, uh, uh, we can't have nice things. You know, I, I watched the replay several times, and it's very difficult on the the review to see exactly what happens. Apparently, the referee had a different look than what was shown on MLS, uh, you know, on the MLS site, because uh, he went and looked at the video review and came and gave him a red card. So, you know, it did look like he went to push him. I can't tell if he made contact with the face or head or neck or whatever because Yoshi's not a tall guy and from the camera angle he was behind the player so you could see the player's um, sort of upper body kind of kind of not really snap back but kind of get pushed back but you couldn't really tell where the contact was made I really hope he had a better angle than what we had to make that call because uh, I didn't see a clear obvious error well, the only thing I can think is, uh, well, like you say, hopefully he did have a better angle where he saw something. Uh, the only other thing would be that uh, obviously we had started scoring goals and uh, Yoshi was, you know, uh, pivotal, pivotal in all those and thus needs to not be on the field for Orlando City. Well, um, you know, the one I thought might have gotten in trouble was Amro Tarek. It looked like he did make contact with the you know, someone from the neck up and I didn't see, I, I'm not saying Yoshi didn't, I'm just saying that I couldn't see it on the one look that we had on the replay. Um, maybe he did, maybe he had another angle. I don't know, but he's gone and, uh, the game ended in a three, three draw. Um, who's your man of the match, Dave? Uh, the man that was sent off, Yoshimario Toon. I, like I said, I don't know that the red was deserved. And even if it was, it was really darn late. He, uh, like I said, he had all those assists and, and pretty much uh, other than Dom, you know, doing what Dom does, he was the only guy on the field really making a big difference. So no question, Yoshimar Yotun is man of the match. Yeah, agreed. I don't think it's uh, – that one didn't take rocket science. Uh, involved in all three goals for sure. Uh, the catalyst was Yoshimar Yotun, my man of the match as well. So – uh, you know, I don't know what to make of the lineups lately. It sure would be nice to have a, a, a really solid veteran, uh, gifted, talented left attacking mid. Uh, you know, somebody like Justin Miram would be a good uh, player <laughs> to maybe bring it. Oh, wait, uh, we tried that one. Um, I, I don't know. It's uh, I don't see anything much happening uh, with El Manir on the left side. I mean, yes. He's quick. He makes good, like short, quick passes. Um, you know, he he does link up well with Yotun on that side. So those are all good things. He's not a scorer. Uh, he's never been mm-hmm. really a scorer in his career. And um, you know, it, it just seems like um, they they have not gotten that locked down. Um, 
One other thing I didn't mention, a really horrendous tackle by Brandon By has sent Sasha Kleschen to the day-to-day injured list with uh, an ankle issue. Um, A terrible challenge. He got booked for it. Um, But that was the kind of thing that they were... They were really doing a lot. And, and New England, you know, we've talked about foul disparity before. New England had 23. I think Orlando had 11 in the game. And it was part of their strategy. Yoshi gets a ball. Kleshin gets a ball. We foul him. That's basically what the, the strategy was. And it was right. it was not policed well by the referee um, because by the time Kleshin got taken out, he got fouled a couple of times earlier on pretty heavy challenges that weren't even given fouls. Um and, you know, Clash would get up and, like, you could see him, like, questioning the referee. Like, why? how is that not a foul? And then, you know, the fourth or fifth time it happens, he's out of the game. Um, it, it really should have been – that's poor. That's poor uh, officiating, and it led to an injury because they just kept doing it and doing it until they until they uh, injured him. So, um, you know, Kleshin, we don't know his availability for uh, Washington, D.C., D.C. United. Um Hopefully he'll be all right. Josue Coleman came on and, you know, everybody was excited to finally get to see him in his natural role at number 10. And um, it didn't go that well, quite, quite frankly. Yes, he, he, he's got these nice little bursts of speed. He's able to play past guys with his quickness, but he's almost like the, he's almost like city's version of Chioma Obogagu. It's like, Oh, here comes three guys at me. Let me just, I'll just keep dribbling. I'll just keep dribbling right into the middle of them. Something good is bound to happen. Well, yes, yeah. it's, it's good for them because they could take the ball away from you quite easily. Um, <laughs> I've said this before. I, I don't see it. I don't see him as a number 10. I think he has a skill set that may translate to that one day. But I don't think that he plays like a number 10. I don't think he plays... He tends to drift. He doesn't play in the middle of the pitch unless there's a lot of room. And I think that if you if you have um, like a two two central midfielders against him, he's always going to drift out to the wings. He's always going to be a wing player. And from frankly, you know, I looked it up again today. I was like, am I just imagining things? Let me look up his, you know, some career highlight videos. And I, I went to YouTube and I went down a little YouTube rabbit hole today and. Yeah, a lot of his better plays out on the perimeter. So it doesn't strike me that he's a number 10, or at least not a conventional number 10. So, you know, everybody that's been calling for him to play over Sasha Kleshin, which is kind of um, mind-boggling in itself, um, I'm still not seeing what you guys are seeing. Um, I'm not saying that he's not got talent or upside. I'm just saying it's not there right now. And right now you can't... (laughs) You can't. I, I, I think a lot of people are willing to give up on the season and just say, oh, we'll just keep playing them and giving them minutes. But I don't know also if you're gaining that much if the guy just keeps going out and failing over and over. I don't know that you're getting that much out of that either. Plus, you're just demoralizing everybody else because you're losing games and, and falling further down the table. You can argue that they're doing that anyway, which is fair. Um, but in the end... I think James O'Connor would like to get some wins. I think he would like to try to get in the playoffs. He's going to play the guys that show him the most in training. And that hasn't been some of these guys. Like I know people want to see Pierre da Silva. It hasn't been Pierre da Silva. He hasn't been showing that in training. Otherwise he'd be on the field. Um, We talked about Villarreal earlier in the season because he had a couple of brief appearances and he looked very, he looked very bright in those appearances, but he must not be doing something right in training because he's not getting minutes either. 
Yeah, the the whole Cole Mon thing, I don't know if it's that he's uh overconfident in his abilities or that stepping up to this, you know, level has him perplexed as to why he can't do the things he used to do, or if like you said, more likely, uh that his natural position is not a traditional number ten, but um whatever it is, it's it's not translating. And I think you also touched on something in that um you know, for those that want to see him developed, um, yes, game time is important, but starting time is not necessarily important. Um, training is something that they do, and that's where they figure out who is where, what they need to work on. It's easier to work on certain things in training than it is during a game because you, you, you've got some controlled settings. Yes, I know that you have to translate that to an uncontrolled setting, but if you've done more things repetitively, then when you find yourself in that situation in a match, then it will happen easier. If they can get the whole running into a group of people and giving the ball away thing out during training, uh, then that will translate to the matches um so I, I think him coming in as a sub is the right thing right now um and you know everybody needs to remember he's young pierre de silva is young these guys are all young they need time they need um they need more training they you know they've got to play and learn from Guys like Sasha Kleshton, you know, having somebody like that to show you things. You know, we've talked about with Mueller and, and Dom. You know, Mueller has often said that, you know, Dom is helping him with his game. Um, even though they don't play the similar type of, of position, he's still learning from them. And, you know, it's that's important. Uh, I think the other thing that's that may be going on is, you know, Connor has, you know, stated before that it's important to him. You know, the attitude, the drive for being there is very important to him. And my guess is he's being true to his word and he's putting the guys out there that um, are showing them that and who he thinks gives him the best chance to win. Mm -hmm. I understand that there's an exception in that because I don't uh, I don't understand the whole PC thing. (laughs) Maybe he's doing really great training and it's not translating. I don't know. But there's an exception to every role. Yeah, I think the PC thing is more that he's showing some good things in training, and you got to give a guy the benefit of the doubt and just don't pull him after a game or two. You got to again, we've said it before, the, the the back line has to have time to have chemistry. They have to have minutes together. You know, they have to think as one. Um, I just don't know if he's a left back. I don't. I just don't know if he's a fullback. Um, he may be better served at being in that that left uh, attacking midfield spot, but you know he doesn't have the pace of El Munir. Um He doesn't have the sharpness, the quickness, um, you know, the more, more dynamic play. So I I think that it's just he's looking for something. O'Connor's looking for something, and uh, the left back position has has been a problem for Orlando City since day one in MLS, and it's continuing to be a problem because uh, you know you've got. You've got a, a defense-first guy in Toya. You've got two other guys who are arguably not fullbacks, and and they need more minutes there to become fullbacks. But at the same time, they're they're leaking goals because of it, and it's uh, it's, it's getting kind of ugly overall. But um, anyway, is what it is. It's a three-three draw. Uh, Coleman, I think, is a guy who who's got some upside. You you. you 
you know, you could see what the coaches see in him. It's just got everything's just got to be quicker on the field. It's got to be quicker. It's got to be. I see them closing me down. I you know you know you you see them closing you down. That doesn't mean you have two more seconds before you have to get rid of the ball. As soon as you notice that they're coming, that's when you got to get rid of the ball. And that's kind of all part of jumping up to the next level and 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 playing. You know, MLS has grown in quality and and it's. It's not it's not an easy league to succeed in. And for every teenager like Alfonso Davies, who comes up and is just stellar and gets sold to Bayern Munich. You know, first of all, there aren't very many of them. Second of all, for every one of him, there's probably like 50 at the level of Ezekiel Barco, who, you know, Atlanta had high hopes for. And he's been okay, but he hasn't been great. And then for every Barco, there's 50 guys like, you know, Coleman. So it's still another notch down. So I don't know. Hopefully he'll get there. But if there was an OCB, I I, I submit that he would have gotten a lot of OCB games this year. Without a doubt. And it probably would have helped his game. Probably would have. Anyway, um, before we move on to the Prides game over the weekend, uh, of course, Justin Merrim was traded. Um, You know, we... (laughs) We, we really didn't, blew that we one. We didn't really want to see that. We really wanted to see a fresh start under James O'Connor. Um, you know, I'm planning to talk to Nikki Budalich sometime after the, the transfer window. Uh, but um, Merrim sent back basically for everything that Orlando gave up to get him, except the general allocation money. They got back the, you know, the targeted allocation money same you know same amount they got back next year's international slot didn't get back to g it didn't get the gam they got the tam dave but they didn't get the gam so um i think it was probably the best deal they could find sending him back to the crew uh you know obviously whatever happened with between him and the club uh it got worse and instead of better and at, in the end he was sent packing and um you know, Justin Miram, we hardly knew ye, and uh, the Miram era here will not be looked upon as a great success. Well, like you said, it was probably the best deal they could have gotten, and so it it, it actually ended up hurting us less than I thought it would be if we ended up, you know, trading him anywhere. So, yay! Um, it, it's it's a shame. Uh, you know, we've said it before he's a uh, you know, experienced veteran player who has done good things in the league. He just, for whatever reason, it was not able to transfer uh, for Orlando City. And, um, you know, I, we'll never know what could have happened, um, probably because we don't know exactly what did happen. Yeah. You know, what was it that was um, so bad or egregious or just... Or whatever that that kept him from you know being willing to, or or the club from being willing to you know make things make things right and go forward. But um, it, it, for everybody that you know complain about him not having him does not help either. No. So uh, yeah, so we're 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 definitely seeing a hole on the left side of the attacking midfield, and there's no one really on the roster that can fill that that need right now um you know maybe if it's me in that situation i'm, I'm putting coleman in that slot and seeing what he could do over time but um, you know i don't know I, it's not my call to make anyway um pride the pride came home uh, most of the pride uh 
came home from international duty in the Tournament of Nations. Congrats to the U.S. for winning the second uh, Tournament of Nations. Uh, the USA had to get a two-goal win or better against Brazil going into the final game, and they uh, fell behind <laughs> um, on an own goal. Uh, by Tierna Davidson. And then, uh, of course, uh, they, they came roaring back. Alex Morgan with the final nail in the coffin as a 4-1 win over Brazil. Uh, sorry, Marta. Sorry, Monica, Camilla, Pollyanna. But, um, yeah, the the U.S. Uh, with um, It wasn't the best tournament for them, but they did what they needed to do. Nope. Exactly right. And, you know, it's that's kind of been a bit of a, a theme with the, the women's team recently is they they still appear to be one of, if not the best women's teams in the world. But it, there seems to be a, either a lack of sharpness or killer instinct or I don't know what. Um, but and it's not to say that, you know, I expect them to dominate forever. Uh, obviously, that's that's unrealistic. Um but they were and still are the number one team in the world. And, and it, it feels like they're not quite living up to uh, the potential that one would expect from, from that team. And I don't know what what it has to do with Ellis or the locker room or chemistry or who knows what, but uh, hopefully it's something that they can get um, sorted uh, before next year. Absolutely. So the U S won that Thursday and Thursday and home home and play on Sunday. So I blew in like so. Okay, Sky Blue. So winless, only three draws on the season. Haven't even led a game all year long. No, right? Cakewalk should be a cakewalk. Nope. The pride actually, you know, for large swaths of the game were dominant possession, but again having trouble finding the net, finding that last pass. It was um, a bit of a different shape for the Pride this game out. They were uh, sort of a th- in a 3-5-2 look. Morgan um, started on the bench. She started on the bench. She started up top. Because I think the rule is you want the players that played all three Tournament of Nations game to have to cover a lot of ground. I think that was how that works. Um, but most... that's the, that's, that's the deal with, uh, with the, the national team coaches. Yes. So Rachel Hill gets the start up there next to her. Um, it was interesting. I uh, kind of was intrigued by it. Uh, it didn't really seem very cohesive at times and very, um, you know, but eventually, uh, the uh, Larry took the lead Larry and uh, made it one. Nil. It was, uh, one, and, uh, it was, it just took, it just seemed like it took forever. It was, a uh, just you know, second half, and finally uh, Danny Weatherholt smashes one that uh, the goalkeeper can't really handle. Comes on that tips off, uh, and uh, falls perfectly for Marta to knock in and then Marta to make it one nil. You got to celebrate that one that for about two minutes. And we're just some couple moments back again for the pride. Uh, you know the pride, you know falling down in the box, allowing a goal. Imani Dorsey all alone because uh, all but, uh, I don't know he's like uh, but, but um came way inside to help help out and and uh, made contact I think with Alana had contact uh, on the back line for the first time this year and the first time in a while for the Pride and um 
Kennedy falls down, so she's keeping Dorsey on side. And, of course, so the ball finds its way to Dorsey for a 1v1 one on, one one with Ashton Harris. No problem. 1-1. One, one, uh, a few minutes later, 2-1. And, and you're like, what? 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 What just happened? You're right. This is sky blue. What the heck yeah. happened? And so it's their first lead, Dave, of 2018. What? Not just the game, <laughs> 2018. I'm not kidding you. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was good. It was, you know, it was really not good. And uh, luckily, Orlando was uh, able to find a back land. And uh, just a really bizarre goal, bizarre goal for Danny Weatherholt. As uh, Camilla showed some signs in this game, finally, of being the old Camilla. And she uh, took the ball, the ball up the middle, threw some traffic, got fouled. And was this was good officiating. Referee did not blow the whistle because Weatherholt ended up with the ball. Yes back that's a free kick just outside the area and yes that would not have helped but uh weatherhold takes it in can sheridan can weatherhold can't handle uh you know the bouncing ball and it bounces pops right back up for uh weatherhold can make it two two um you know now you're thinking okay two two we're on a roll things are happening got alex morgan in the game now we've got possession we've been attacking yeah and uh um, Morgan, a, a couple of really good chances. Morgan Sheridan made a, uh, a save of the week nominee on her uh, with one hit. The pride actually came lands the pride in the game because of the backline problems, kind of keystone, and hit and the crossbar three times. Um, so th- three times off the woodwork, and uh, I think Alec was th- like the third. Uh, then late in the game, this is a seven minutes. Of- this is a like It's getting ready to be in the net. Harley Lloyd throws her hands up and keeps the ball out. With blatant intention, she's shown intention in the red card. It's a penalty. Marta's stepping up. Cool. Win. No. It's a, no, you don't let them know. It's a free tournament. It's a flown three times over the last week and has played 96 minutes. Take that. It's a penalty. I don't care if it's Marta. I don't care if it's Kaka. Someone fresh has to take that penalty. Maybe, you know, somebody like Alex Morgan? That would not have been a bad idea. That would have been a bad idea. That would have been a bad idea. Heck, that would heck say, Dan- Danny Weatherhold on that night. That would say right at Sheridan. I mean, there was Sheridan had to kind of lean to the left a little bit. Just kind of lean. A little bit of a lean. A bit of a lean. And a pretty easy stop. Game ends 2-2. Yeah. Brutal, brutal home result for the Pride because, yes, they stay in above the playoff line. the point. But it does not seem... I get that any team can get any other team can get any other team get any team on any given day. And yet it wasn't a win for Sky Blue, although they had some really chances to win the game with another goal. And Ashlyn Harris made a couple saves. In fact, she got save of the week and hit WSL for it. You know, it was really kind of fortunate for the Pride to even get a draw in that game. But with the game on the line, Basically, at the last play of the game, you have to get the score that goal and win the game. When it happened, and there was the handball yeah. and a red card and a penalty kick, I, I let out of breath. I was like, "All right, cool." 
we finally had something, you know, go our way, you know, as, as an Orlando anything fan. Uh, whoever, even if it's Marta, you know, is going to step up. They're going to put this thing away. And nine, nine, tens out, uh, nine times out of ten, even a tired Marta probably would. And then that that shot and that save. And, and uh, you're shaking your head. There's nothing you can do but just kind of shake your head and and – say oh well and and go to bed (laughs) it was a good opportunity for the pride because if they get three points there they jump uh momentarily jump ahead of seattle they would have put a little more distance between portland uh because portland fell to north carolina and it was uh, not to be so just a single point which is better than no points but you really needed three in that situation didn't get it and uh so the pride uh, with what was really an embarrassing draw against the worst team in the league by far, uh, a team that even had some issues traveling on Saturday, and we're lucky to kind of get everybody on the plane from what I, from what we was reported online, and um, you know just a a team that, quite frankly, they should beat with the quality they have, even if some yeah. of those players were on the bench to start the game because of the tournament of nations. Um, it was I thought a poor game from Christine Nairn, who kept repeatedly passing the ball to the wrong team. Um, I thought Kennedy looked pretty decent at center back for most of the game, but she did have a couple of lapses. But again, she played extensively in the tournament of nations. Um, right. It was, it was kind of, I was really surprised that she was in the lineup and Zdorsky wasn't, I mean, here you got a Canadian international who mm-hmm. hasn't played in a couple of weeks is really well rested and she's not on the field. Tony Presley was uh, was in, and Ali Krieger was in. Were in, you know th- those two were in, and they didn't play obviously in the Tournament of Nations, uh, so they could have made it three for three. I'm not sure if it makes a difference in that situation or not, but um, you know with Kennedy you do have opportunities on set pieces. She's a good header of the ball. In fact, she had you know probably three decent chances to score a goal on set pieces that she couldn't put on frame. Uh, and also she can take the set pieces as she did in the tournament of nations scoring a goal on a set piece. So, you know, I see why he wants to have her on the field. Uh, she is beneficial, but she's had a tough season and she was, she looked really, really tired in the second yeah. half. Um, you know, and that's, that's when she looked tired. I'm sure she was tired <laughs> when those goals were scored. So, Anyway, it is what it is. It's a 2-2 draw. Who's your player of the match, Dave? Uh, I'm going to have to give it to Danny Weatherholt. Uh, you know, goal and, and that uh, first one that's a result in the Marta goal. Um, she had a good work rate. Uh, you know, she. I'm, I'm hoping that this is a, a, a step towards her being more consistent this year. Um, you know, if Marta had gotten the... Uh, the winner there at the end, it might have changed my mind. But uh, since she didn't, I got to go with Danny. Yeah, that's a solid choice. I will. I'll go ahead and agree with you. I think Marta probably had a, um, you know, because we're so used to the way she plays and how fantastic she is. Um, True. It it probably this was probably a more mortal performance, but it still was a very good performance. Um, in fact, that's that's not what we're used to. <laughs> she's she's one of the players that hit the crossbar. She had a set piece that went off, uh, deflected off the wall, and hit the crossbar. That that quite frankly, Danny Weatherholt should have done better on the rebound. With um, it came to Weatherholt, and she just plopped it right straight back at Sheridan. It wasn't an easy chance, but if you put it basically anywhere else, it's probably going in the net. Um, credit Sky Blue for blocking a whole ton of shots in that game, especially a couple that were cleared off either off the line or right in front of the line. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, uh, well, so I'll go with Danny Weatherhold, although I think uh, there's an asterisk there because I think if Marta wasn't known for being so good, she probably would have gotten it. Yeah, uh, I've, I'll agree <laughs> with that. All right, Dave, uh, we are, as we record this, we are about – uh, 24, 5, 6, 7, about 27 and a half maybe hours away from the secondary transfer window closing. What? There's a transfer window? Yeah, there is. In fact, uh, you know, Orlando got in on it early by signing Shane O'Neill. That was forever ago. I know. It was weeks before the transfer window opened that he was uh, he was already announced. Um, but ever since then, crickets, Dave. And I don't mean Jiminy. I'm just saying the sound of crickets coming from Orlando City Stadium. It's been very, very quiet on the transfer window front for Orlando City. Um, not even a wisp of a hint of a rumor. Um, if the Lions, who just got um, a big wad of cash for Justin Miram, do not sign anyone in this window, anyone else, epic fail? Without a doubt, epic fail. There's too many needs right now. I mean, even if they don't go, my, I think we need. Even though we've been scoring goals, we've and we've been letting up goals. I, I still think that there's a, a need for you know an attacking uh, person. Uh, Pino hasn't been, hasn't been that guy. Uh, but even if they didn't go and get, you know, somebody on the attack, you know, another center back. I know we got a bunch, but. Um, we've got some money and we're giving up goals, something, just anything. Either of those two positions would make me inordinately happy. Um, but uh, <laughs> like I said, we're just over a day away. So I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Here's what I see the needs. I see a, a, a need for a left back. I see a need for a backup striker or a complimentary striker late in games when you're chasing a game. Um, I see a need for a left attacking mm -hmm. midfielder. Well, yes, you're correct. Now that uh, we gave up Justin, yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, somebody else, you know, who can score goals and, uh, you know, provide good wing play. And um, I think El Munir can provide good wing play. I don't think he can score goals. That's just not what he what he's been ever asked to do before. Maybe it's not in his wheelhouse. I don't know, but... I think those are the three areas of need. Uh, I don't think you're going to address all three of them in this window. I think if you're lucky, you're going to address one at this point with one day left. How would you rank those needs? Um, you know, I, I'm going to say um, help up top. And the reason I say that is something that we were talking about not too long ago, which was you do have Kaman, who you could – move out to the wing and, you know, provide some, some support there, uh, especially if, if Sasha is healthy. So, um, but then that attacking mid, uh, would be my second and then left back third. And that's just because I think we have, uh, there's plenty of defenders, even though, uh, I don't know, it's, but you're, you're also talking about child a, you know, B and C there, you know, yeah. which one do you, which one do you love the most? I mean, uh, each need is pressing in its own way, but I'll, I'll, I'll go front to back on, on the ranking for all the good it's going to do. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably the way I would rank them as well. I, I think that you, what this team needs is an Alan Gordon, a Patrick Mullins, somebody who's, who's done it before is, mm -hmm. is willing to come off the bench and do it. And 
that's that's just what this team doesn't have. This team, once you get this, you know, once the starter hasn't been effective, you're bringing in, you know, it's such a step down in quality from Dwyer to Pino. Such a step down. And what you right. need is, you, I mean, really what this team needs is, is Julio Baptista. Oh, how much would you like to have him back? I mean, somebody that's just a veteran guy, gets into good spots, gets, you know, gets a couple chances before the end of the game when he comes on with 20 or 30 minutes to play, maybe puts one in. That's what this team needs. And that's what, you know, that's why the Columbus crew went out and got Patrick Mullins. That's why uh, Alan mm-hmm. Gordon's still employed, you know, in MLS. That's that's just what this team needs. I don't know who that player is because, you know, I would say maybe a guy like Tommy McNamara, but he's playing for New York City. And I think that they have been able to use him in a number of different ways. And I think that they probably aren't willing to get rid of him. But whoever that guy is, they got to identify him and bring him in because this team just – and I know that the team lately is scoring goals, and I know that a lot of people say, well, well they got to stop giving up goals. Um, all of that's true, but I think there's enough pieces here. They just got to get healthy, and they got to get time together, and that's not going to change by bringing in new people. No, and if history is any indication, if we did bring in somebody, uh, somebody else is going to get hurt on the back line anyway. <laughs> all right. Um some other news around the league involving ex-Lions. Uh, the Chicago Fire didn't really do a whole lot with Rafael Ramos, uh, the guy, a guy who I'm, I'm constantly told on social media is a guy that we should have never gotten rid of. Uh, yet all he did here was uh, ball watch and take silly fouls and get red cards. Mm-hmm. Um, Fire didn't get a lot of use out of him either, and they have mutually parted ways. Rafa has gone to FC Twente overseas, so he is... He has uh, gone to the, uh, I think their second division team now. I think they got relegated last year. So um, good luck to Rafa Ramos. Absolutely. We wish him well. And Tommy Redding, uh, who was part of the deal to bring in question, out for the season with a shoulder injury, uh, torn labrum. Uh, get well soon, Tommy. Um, Tommy didn't pl- get a whole lot of time for Red Bulls, partly because of injuries and partly because they're a really good and really deep team. Um, so again, I got to say, uh, with question being here, uh, even though he's injured right now and may miss this week, may not Redding being out for the season and Rivas being, uh, given up on, um, <laughs> probably a good bit of business for Orlando city. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, we, like you said, we do wish Tommy a speedy recovery. Um, it's, uh, I believe I read the surgery went well and all that. So it's just, you know, time and, and, uh, rehabilitation at this point, uh, no surprise on the Revis front. I mean, I can't remember the last time I even heard his name mentioned, so I'd actually forgotten about it until just now. Uh, so, uh, and I, I think that, uh, uh recently at least question has come on. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Um, but, uh, we do wish those guys, you know, uh, good luck and uh, fair weather and all those other things as long as they're not playing us. Exactly. Well, Dave, we've got a game coming up on the weekend against DC United. Swapping out the days with the Pride by going on Sunday and the Pride will go on Saturday. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about DC United and Orlando City. They have uh, played to a pair of 1-1 draws this season once in MLS on opening day uh, in a game in which the uh, aforementioned PC was sent off <laughs> and uh, a one, one draw in the U S open cup in which the lions prevailed in uh, penalties. So, uh, you know, Orlando city was able to get by them, even though it was technically a draw. Um, we 
maybe we'll get a winner this week uh, by one of the teams or the other. But we're going to talk about this game with our special guest. We'll do that right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week, very happy to have with us host of the Filibuster Podcast and a uh, and an editor emeritus over at Black and Red United, the DC United blog at SB Nation. Happy to welcome Adam Taylor. Adam, how you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for having me. I have to start this out just in honor of, of your podcast by asking you what you're drinking. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, tonight it's actually a, just a, a cheap white wine from... Trader Joe's, just some Charles Shaw. Well, you're one up on me and my uh, cup of water from the front of the refrigerator. Yeah, <laughs> you've got me beat and my uh, soda inside of a Yeti. Mm, okay, a lot of Yeti talk in the uh, in the podcast. Yeah, I've got the Yeti microphone. You've got the Yeti <laughs> the tumbler. Uh, yeah, tumbler. Yeah, <laughs> my brother-in-law has the giant fishing cooler. So Yetis, Yetis everywhere. Oh my goodness. Well, Adam, uh, the the Lions and DC United have played twice uh, in once in MLS play and once in the U.S. Open Cup. It seems like one one is the the preferred scoreline of these two teams. Uh, and then, you know, of course, with the Open Cup, you get uh, shootouts and stuff like that. Are we going to get a game winner at Audi Field in the game between Orlando City and DC United this weekend? I really hope so because a a draw is as good as a loss for DC United at this point. If if they're they're still the outside hope uh, the black and red have for the playoffs, and that that hope is going to go further than outside and kind of leave the realm of possibility if they they drop too many more points uh, during this this massive slate of home games they have to close out the year. Well, the good news for you guys, you're playing Orlando City, so uh, you may have a little bit of hope. Um, what uh, what hope would you give to uh, our listeners that um, Orlando City could be the one to get all three points? Well, DC United is incredibly mistake-prone at the back, and uh, you, you guys scored three goals against a, a similarly situated New England team last weekend, so... Uh, with with a defense that lets in just mind-numbing goals at the rate that DC United does this year, you know the other team always has some kind of chance. <laughs> I, I want to ask you a little bit about this because this will be the first time Orlando City has played in the new stadium, and we of course got to enjoy our brand new stadium, re- you know, not too long ago. What's it like finally having your own digs? I mean, how, how has that gone, and what's the atmosphere like there? It's it's still a little surreal. Um, I've been in D.C. since 2006 and been a season ticket holder of D.C. United since 2008 or so. Um, and, and most of that time was defined by not having the future locked down and just kind of being in flux and not knowing if the team is going to exist five years hence. And now that's all settled and there's a building of concrete and steel and glass and uh, high-tech panels of some kind or another. It's still not done, but so that, that feels a little more normal. Um, but it's the atmosphere is, is 
pretty great, especially since they ironed out some some kinks from the first game when they they had a hype man, literally a hype man, walking around on the field before the game, <laughs> imploring people to make some noise, uh, and and getting players' names wrong, and uh, it, it wasn't great. He was, you know, I felt bad for the guy. He was doing his honest best, but it was a bad decision, um, and there were some bad decisions made with regards to the supporters groups, but at least on the team side, those have been worked out. The team has made it right with La Brava and with the District Ultras, and both those groups will be uh, in the stadium in full force for the first time, actually, against uh, Orlando on Sunday. So it's it's going to be really loud, and it, it's already been loud. Um, my, my four-year-old that I, I take to games essentially had a panic attack when uh, DC United scored a couple of second half goals in the the real home opener against Vancouver last month um, because it got so loud. The 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 place because it's so steep. When it gets loud, it gets really really loud. Everything is so close to the field and people are just on top of each other all the way around the ground that it's it just the noise gets really really intense. It's kind of wonderful and I'm excited to see what it'll be like once the supporter section is truly full uh, to bursting. Well, uh, can't tell you how glad we are that you guys finally pulled it all together for us to come to town. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys have the new stadium, but you also now have a uh, uh, an old player with Wayne Rooney. Uh, how is how is that working out? The whole... Uh, um, you know, obviously, we, we don't like to think of MLS as a retirement league and uh, anymore. But, uh, you know, Wayne seems to be, uh, you know, pulling his weight. Uh, what's your impressions of how he's doing so far? Yeah, he's thrown himself in. I was I, I always admired his skill and, and tenacity um, to the extent that I follow England and the Premier League, which is not a huge extent. But I was never one to consider myself a Wayne Rooney fan. Uh, and and that's changed. He's he's won me over. He he came in and he he's incredibly humble on the mic. He seems to be saying the right things in the locker room, getting after academy players in training to finish every single drill at a hundred percent. And he he got the captain's armband, and everyone on the team seemed to be like, yeah, he's our captain, hundred percent. After two weeks on the team, so he's he's thrown himself in. He broke his nose and got a gash on his forehead defending a corner kick in second half stoppage time against Colorado. So there's his level of commitment. He threw himself into a guy who's six foot seven in actual Axel Hoiberg. And, uh, there, there are players who are, are considered very solid contributors in MLS who, who wouldn't necessarily do that. So to have your glamor player, um, doing that kind of grunt work is is definitely a, a good sign. And he got a goal. He's got an assist. He's definitely improved the fluidity of the attack compared to Darren Maddox. He, he doesn't have the same tools that Maddox has. Obviously, he's not going to, you know, impress too many people with his straight line speed the way Maddox does. But his calmness in front of goal, his ability to bring other players in is just uh, on a completely different level than anyone on the team. Adam, how, how's the club um, adjusted personnel-wise to Rooney? I know Rooney played as the number nine recently. What what have they – did it just – was it a straight swap? Did they move uh, sh- to change shape? How did they accommodate uh, Wayne? 
it really was a, a straight swap. It's just uh, the the way the pieces fit together. Even though everything was in the same position, the style of play changed a little bit. Rather than hitting balls over the top for Maddox to run onto, it was more playing on the ground, um, which suits Rooney's strengths and honestly suits the strengths of the players around him. Acosta is better when he can combine. Um, he, he still has the opportunity to dribble and you know make fools out of people, but... He also has the option to pass, which isn't always the case when when the game gets completely wide open. Uh, Paul Ariola playing in that number eight position now also works really, really well with the late runs that that into the space that opens up when you you're doing those intricate passing sequences. Emil Assad and, and Zoltan Stieber also fit really well into that. So there's less crossing happening and more, uh, I, I would say, higher quality chance generation. Now you actually mentioned uh, a bunch of the attack there and, and you know what uh, you guys are trying to do. Uh, obviously, Ariel has been a pain in our rear ends uh, when we've played you guys. But um, who is somebody that uh, we should look out for that maybe uh, we're, we're not used to, uh, to hurting us? Uh, it, it might be Russell Knauss. He's actually started in the number eight spot the last two games. I think Ariola will be back in that spot, and Knauss will either start on the bench or or in the number six spot. But he's he's just a, I guess the English would call him a terrier, out there. He he covers so much space, and he's such a good tackler and ball winner. And then he can pass the ball, and he can make late runs. Um, he's just a really really good player. Of the the guys that DC United got at the the deadline last summer, which included Ariola and Stieber and a young Bolivian attacker named Bruno Miranda. Uh, Knaus was the one that impressed people the most around here. Um, and he was probably, you know, the least heralded of the bunch because he was an American that, that didn't really get a lot of any full national team caps coming in and just kind of owning that defensive midfield or that, that ball winning spot. And he's been hurt all year. Made his first start two weeks ago, and and then second one last week, um, which was a little bit of a surprise because it meant Ariola was on the bench. But I, I think he's someone that you should look out for. Well, the last time Orlando City played a former Manchester United striker, things did not go well for the Cats. Uh, some guy named Zlatan with three goals and an assist. Um, <laughs> So that probably bodes well for your side. Uh, but you guys just, um, I mean, you, I, I would say that DC United, uh, comparatively at least to Orlando City, active in the window in terms of uh, made a deal today. Uh, there's some rumors that maybe Bill Hamid uh, could be uh, targeted for coming back at some point. What is going on on the transfer front with DC United? Well, the biggest need has been in the back, uh, as I alluded to at the beginning. Um, they brought in Vitas from... Portland, uh, Lithuanian international left back, maybe not a huge upgrade over Joseph Mora at the left back spot, but it means that if Mora goes down, we're not putting O'Neill Fisher out there on the left. And O'Neill Fisher is a, an MLS backup quality right back, I would say, and he he's got you know high points that are better than that level and low points that are lower. At left back, he's barely USL quality. He He's much better on the right than than on the left. And if Mora went down without a backup, because Taylor Kemp is out for the year, uh, it meant Fisher was going to slide over there. So this 
if nothing else, gives us that tiny little bit of depth at the left back spot that that keeps the defense from completely falling apart with one injury. Bill Hamid would would obviously be a big help too, assuming he can find his form once he gets here. David Osted has been fine, but but he hasn't made a lot of game saving stops the way that Bill Hamid famously did. Um, the offense is actually producing goals this year, which is something Bill Hamid didn't always have in front of him. So it would be kind of exciting to see him back in net in the new stadium, certainly. Uh, he was D.C. United's first ever homegrown player. He grew up a fan of the team. There, there are pictures of him when he was a young teenager in the supporters groups, bouncing around, uh, not drinking beer, mind you, but uh, getting into it. And you can tell from his social media feeds that he lives and dies with DC United even while he's in Europe. So uh, I think he would obviously be a huge addition, not just because he's an upgrade at the goalkeeper spot, but the the passion for the team he, he brings. And everyone's seeing the, seen the They Can't Hold Us Back video um, and the TIFO that it generated. And that that kind of emotion and, and everything I think would work really well with the gravitas and veteran leadership that Rooney is bringing and really kind of help the team in the locker room. Now, Orlando's uh, back line is, is not much better than uh, DC's, so uh, uh, I expect you guys to score some goals, and you mentioned some of the guys that would do that. Uh, flipping to the other side, um, what's worrying you about uh, Orlando City's offense? You mentioned that you know we scored a couple goals. Where do you uh, and, and keep in mind that Yoshimaru Tune is on a red card, so he's not going to be uh, he's not going to be able to help us. Where do you see the uh, problems coming at DC's back line? Well, if if Dom Dwyer can find his his finishing boots for the night, then he's obviously a scary uh, prospect for DC. He his ability to get over the top against. Uh, United center backs, I think, um, would be a problem. If United's press isn't preventing the long ball and Dwyer times his run, then he could be one-on-one with Osted, and that's not a matchup I relish. So so that would be a, a big one. Sasha Kleschen has always uh, managed to cause fits for DC United going back to his re- time with the, the Red Bulls. He uh, wouldn't always score a lot of goals, but he'd always set up some kind of dagger for Bradley Wright Phillips or someone else to put in the back of the net. So uh, keeping him in check is also going to be uh, a priority, especially with Dwyer making those runs. Well, you might have caught another break because uh, Sasha Kleshin took a little bit of a knock against New England. He hasn't trained yet this week. Uh, He's listed as day-to-day with an ankle don't know if I'm really shaken up about that. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I, I'm, <laughs> you, you didn't see me, but the tears that fell into my glass of wine. Yes, you're 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 weeping openly for us. I know, um, as all uh, all Eastern Conference teams are at this point. Um, but yeah, the Brandon By decided he would uh, like to play the ball, no matter if Sasha Kleshin was on it or not, and decided to go through his back uh, to get to it. And um, yeah, so it was a scary moment. He was able to walk off, but he did look like he was in a lot of pain and. We don't know if he's going to be playing. And now that uh, some guy named Justin Miram is back in Columbus, I'm not actually sure there are any attackers that can get the ball to Tom Dwyer <laughs> uh, in that midfield. So we'll have to see. Well, it'll be the it'll be the center backs getting him the ball. <laughs> there you go. Just hoping it over the top. Well, they might have to because they're. I mean, it's not like they're defending or anything. Um, 
So before we let you go, Adam, obviously want to get your key matchup of the game. You know, where do you think this game will be decided on the field in terms of the, the matchup player wise? And what's your final score prediction? I, I guess I would say DC United's attacking midfield versus Orlando's holding midfield. I think DC United is going to be on the front foot uh, for this as much as they can. They're much better when they're at attacking and defending on the front foot, which is a change from years past. So if, if Lucho Acosta can find time on the ball and get that connection with Rooney that's been developing really nicely, if they can get that really going in this game, I, I really like DC United's chances. On the other hand, if Lucho is is not dialed in, if he's feeling like the referee is is not protecting him and that he's got to you know, start doing things all by himself because he doesn't feel like his teammates are, are carrying their weight, then that's not going to be good for DC United. I, I think they, they might live and die as Lucho goes, which is a hell of a thing with Wayne Rooney on the team. Uh, but I think that's, that's where the game will probably be decided. I think it works for DC United in this one. I, I, I think three to one DC. I think we get the goals. We give up a, a bonehead one uh, at some point, but I think United uh, manages to, to hold serve at home. All right. Uh, Adam, is there anywhere that people should look for you on uh, online for uh, as far as uh, social media or, you know, you're, st- you're obviously you're at uh, blackandredunited.com occasionally in the filibuster podcast. Can you let people know where they can find you? Yeah. Find the podcast on Twitter at filibuster DCU. My personal account is at the underscore AMT. Uh, I'm not as active as I probably should be on that, but I, I do tweet from time to time. All right. Adam Taylor from Filibuster Podcast and Black and Red United. Thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again sometime in the future. Actually, I was I was going to come up to Audi Field for this, but then when uh, Orlando lost nine games in a row, I kind of lost my uh, taste for uh, traveling. <laughs> uh, that's too bad. Well, next time Orlando comes up, definitely come up and I'll I'll get grab a drink with you. All right. Thanks for being our guest this week. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Well, once again, uh, really big thanks to Adam Taylor and uh, and all the folks over at the Filibuster podcast, uh, which they've had me on uh, several times in the past and uh, always an enjoyable time to go on their podcast. And, uh, you know, the guys at Black and Red United who uh, they had talked me in, literally had talked me into coming up to Audi Field for this game. And then again, the nine (laughs) nine game losing streak happened. And I went, do I really want to spend money and travel and, you know, spend money on gas and and, and a hotel room and all that good stuff? Uh, And the answer was no, (laughs) no. So it's, you know, it's it's been a disheartening uh, summer of watching yes. the Lions. I, it's always a good time to go and see them play. I always look forward to it. And of course I'm 90% of the time, um, let down, uh, tremendously. <laughs> but, uh, it is what it is. That's what sports are all about is about sucking your soul right out of you and, um, and throwing it in the garbage. That's, that's, that's what sports are. It's this long periods of, of desperation and disappointment. Yeah, You're I'm, correct. I'm not sure what it's like for fans of good teams, but I know what it's like been like for me. Um, Anyway, Dave, uh, we have got uh, um, some mailbag uh, questions. We have to have to answer our questions because we do it every week, and it's kind of our thing now. It's uh, it is our thing. We, they can people can ask us literally anything. You can do it two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland, and that's M A N E, not M A I N. 
at the mainland is our Twitter, and you can hit us up with the hashtag AskTMLPC, uh, or you can email us, themainland at gmail.com. Those are two ways you can get a hold of us, and we have some questions. Uh, I want to start in the mailbox, the Gmail to get box. Let's clean that out. All right. Um, because, you know, that's if people are going to take the time to send us an email the old-fashioned way, then the least we can do is reply on the air. And give an answer. Yeah, and answer the question. So our first one is going to come from, I think it's the only Gmail we have, the only Gmail we have this week. Only have come from friend of the podcast, Lee, who might not have a friend of the podcast anymore uh, after this question. <laughs> he wants to know, who will be the top four clubs in the EPL standings this season, and in what order will they finish? Hint, the correct answer is that Arsenal finishes top of the table. And that's why you're a former friend of the podcast. Uh, because <laughs> you're not going to get either of us with that one. Um, oh, we got to pick an order. It's a little soon for picking an order, isn't it? All right. That's what um, predictions are all about. And then somebody can come back and tell us how stupid we were later in the in the year. Well, that um, I'm just going to homer the heck out of this thing and say uh, it's uh, Liverpool, Man City, Man U, and then I'll give it to him. Arsenal, sure, why not? It's Man, it's but, uh, man United. It's not Man U, Dave. I, I take great offense. Uh, great offense. Uh-huh. I hear you. Um, okay, I'm going to say Manchester City will probably win it. Uh, Chelsea will probably finish second. I'm going to say Liverpool, and I'm going to say Manchester United, and I don't like putting United fourth, but I almost might not even put them in, and uh, it, it's like, you know, Mourinho's asking for players, he's not getting them, so uh, I don't like uh, where they're at right now in terms of in terms of the the atmosphere with the club, so it doesn't seem good. Yeah. So uh, I will say they have probably enough quality, they should finish top four, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking... The moves I've seen from Liverpool, I like Manchester City. I just don't mm-hmm. think is is beatable <laughs> on a consistent yeah, basis. Yeah, they, they have. Yeah, they certainly haven't shown that. Yeah. And I don't know. I think Chelsea's due for a good a good season. You know, to, to put in some kind of a challenge. I just feel like they're due. Yeah, and can't can't close your eyes on Tottenham either. So it's. Yeah, they're so Spursy though. At some point, they'll mess something up. I think. They are Spursy. <laughs> Anyway, and also I'm pissed that Allison got taken by Liverpool because all my Roma guys are leaving and going to Liverpool, which I hate. <laughs> I And I want to thank you for all of them. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Roma's going <laughs> to be a rough season in Rome. Um, anyway, thanks, Lee, for the uh, question. And, um, you know, it was nice having you as a friend of the podcast for a while. Um, <laughs> Trying to work your way back in. Yeah, you have to get back in our good graces. Ken M on Twitter would like to know where are all the Orlando City transfer rumors? <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to know where they are also. Um, where I tell you where they're not. They're not. Uh, they're not on uh, Twitter. They're not in. Uh, not on Facebook. They're not on any social media we can find. They are not on any official press releases or even on people whispering into Michael's ear. That's where they're not. Uh, maybe they're inside. Uh, uh, Nikki and James's heads. I, I don't know. We we spoke about it earlier. I, I I'd really love to hear something. You know, well after this drops, I'd really like to hear something within you know ten hours or so. Yeah, um, they're at the mall. The rumors are at the mall. <laughs> Have you been to a mall lately, Dave? 
Uh, yeah, okay, that's a fair point. They are at the mall. The the mall is a sad, sad place. <laughs> I mean, almost any city in this country now, the mall is a ghost town. It's like, you know, there's just nothing there. There's empty stores. There's kind of like, you know, the, the old people shuffling around. It's just, it's like... Get their uh, steps in, yeah. It's Fear the Walking Dead. Um, you know, half of the, you know, the gates are down on half the store. It's, it's really sad. It's really sad what's, what's happening, but, uh, everybody's buying their crap online now. So, you know, the people that at the stores can at least go get jobs at UPS or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. But FedEx. Yeah, I think the answer to the question is we have absolutely yeah. no idea. There, there, there have been none. Sorry, Ken. Thanks for the question though. Digby Smith has a couple of, uh, questions on the, uh, the Twitters. Uh, what's one missing piece you'd add to the lions and one piece to the pride, Dave? Um, well, we kind of mentioned earlier, but I'll reiterate. Um, I, I'd like to have that, uh, that additional striker that can come in and, and relieve, uh, Dom when, when he uh, gets tired, even though he, you know, is not likely to admit he gets tired. Um, for the pride, um, I think I'd actually I'd like a little bit of help um, uh, on the back line, maybe. Um, you know, you've got some pieces back there that are, are okay, but um, you know, they're, they're not they're not the best. Um, you know, Allie Krieger is great, but you know, she's getting a little older. We're going to need to do something there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not even real particular where on the back line at this moment because uh, I mean, they've got a pretty good they've got pretty talented team so um but there you go yeah my short answer is going to be um zlatan for the lions and <laughs> sam kerr for the pride those are the missing pieces those are very specific uh, yeah it's very short um the, the the bigger answer probably uh for the pride i would add either they need a a, a top quality like probably maybe five players in the league at center back, one of five, either starter for Portland, either starter for North Carolina, or mm-hmm. Becky Sauerbrunn. Uh, okay. Any of those would be a fantastic addition for the Pride. Uh, what would I add to the Lions? Again, you know, like we mentioned, uh, the, the the secondary striker, and that's not just some guy who will play if Dom's hurt. It's not a part-time player. It's also a guy who's going to come into the game when it's tied or the team is trailing uh, in the second half that can be a second striker. Um, that's what the team really needs the most. I think obviously the, the defense is a, is a mess, but I think, uh, with only, you know, as few games there are left, you're not going to get a lot of cohesion from bringing in a defender at this point. So time to score lots of goals. Yeah. Uh, Digby, thank you for that question. And his other question, what are the chances Allie Krieger gets to hundred caps for the U S women's national team? Like she deserves to. And the answer is it's not, it's not that the chances are zero, but they're very, very close to zero. Um, and the reason for that is that <laughs> Jill doesn't want her on the team. Uh, she's moved on, and um, it's it would take a catastrophic daisy chain of injuries for for Allie to get called back into the team. Uh, and in addition to that, it would probably take that and Jill Ellis being mentally incapacitated or not the coach of the team anymore. Yeah, probably something like that. So um, yeah. I think that's it for the mail uh, the mailbag, uh, Dave. I think it was uh, it was not too bad. Not just kind of short and sweet this week. Uh, it is, although we do want people to ask us questions, and they don't have to be soccer questions. Yeah. We'll happily answer anything else. Ask us anything, and uh, you can do that 
Again, email us at themainland at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at themainland is our Twitter account uh, with the hashtag AskTMLPC. That's how you get us. So, our Twitter. Anyway, uh, Dave, DC United and Orlando City about to get it on this weekend. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what is your key matchup and your score prediction for that match? Uh, my key matchup is going to be um, the attacking midfield of Orlando, um, whether there is one or not. Um, <laughs> that's basically that's basically it. If 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 Sasha is there, I feel a little bit better. Um, obviously, Yotun will not be. Uh, it depends on what other pieces James O'Connor moves around. But if they're able to get any service into uh, Dom and whoever else, that's that's going to be the key because otherwise um, I don't think our back line's good enough to keep DC off the board, so we need to score some goals. Um, that being said, uh, there has been a plethora of draws, and so I am going to be um, positive frame of mind and say that that continues a 2-2 draw. The Lions do just enough and get a little bit of luck that's not bad luck i'm not sure where it's going to come from but uh i'm wrong all the time why not be wrong in a positive manner absolutely be wrong own it (laughs) (laughs) if people can see the spreadsheet of our predictions it's there's a lot of red not a lot of green i will have you know that i was talking loudly and proudly about how the game could not end 2-2 the other night because that's what i predicted and you were correct. Yes, when it was 2-1, <laughs> I said either Orlando's not getting back in this game or or there's going to be a lot more goals scored because it's not going to be 2-2. And then it was 2-2, and I said, it's not ending this way. Someone's getting another one. And sure enough, a couple minutes after sure I said enough. that, it was New England, and then uh, Orlando tied. So they, they made me correct in the, in the result, but they made me incorrect in the score because they're just that way. Because <laughs> it can't can't let you no, have it. No, can't can't give me one. You know, like at least a little bit of um, you know, um, not a moral victory exactly, but like the, at least the satisfaction of knowing that I had the right pick. <laughs> I can't even have that. Everything must be taken from me. All right. Uh, well, speaking of things that are going to be taken from you this week, what's your uh, key matchup and your wrong prediction? <laughs> uh, well, I agree a hundred percent with Adam on the the matchup, which is. Uh, that very dynamic DC attacking midfield against Orlando City's defensive midfield. It's going to be a tall task. It's probably going to be Higita. And if if Rossell can't go, it's probably going to be Tony Rocha again. Um, I think he's he seems to have taken uh, up residence in James O'Connor's heart. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it could be that Will Johnson gets a run out on one of the wings just based on how many guys are missing. Uh, yep. We'll have to see, but I think it'll probably be Gita and Rocha. That would be my bet going into this game that they will be the starting defensive midfield. So those two are going to have to lock up you know, Ariola, Costa, those guys, uh, Zoltan, Stieber. Those guys have got to keep them quiet because the back line has got to be shielded better because the back line has been making <laughs> so many mistakes and you just got to basically keep them from, you, you got to protect them, you know, you got to yep. send out the, send out, send out the, the muscle, you know, and, um, it, you know, it's just like the, uh, you know, these, these, uh, you know, like the Justin Bieber's got his, uh, Justin Bieber's got his, his, his posse, you know, that kind of keeps the, 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 
the fans away and the paparazzi. And that's that's what the defensive mids need to be for the center backs. So that's they need somebody to protect them from a bunch of screaming teenage girls. Yeah. Got it. Something like that. <laughs> it's not a perfect analogy. No. Um, <laughs> and my my final score prediction is 3-2 DC. Um, I still think somehow you get a couple of goals, but again, uh, the way that this team has been leaking lately, I just don't have the, the faith that they can that they can shut down the other team's offense, especially, like I said, I just saw one former United striker tear up the, the Lions a couple weeks ago, and it uh, looks like uh, the, that could happen again. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we won't lose 3-2. We may lose worse than that. Uh, we won't draw, uh, so there's a possibility of a win, or at least we won't draw 2-2. So you take those and go bet on them at your local bookie. Something like that. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. R.I.P. Mrs. Garrett. She died this week, unfortunately. Ah. Uh, did you know that? I did not know that. I've been very busy. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte Ray passed away in the within the past week, and just today, uh, as we record this, legend hockey legend Stan Makita passed away. So it's been a rough what? Week. Yeah, rough week. Oh, man. Wow, you, you disconnect for a little bit, and yeah. and all this happens. And that's two, so we got to have the third one here, unfortunately. Now that I've brought everybody down, you're ready for the game. <laughs> that's right. We put you in the proper state of mind yeah. for watching Orlando City play. <laughs> uh, also, the Pride will be in action against the Portland Thorns. Um, I guess we could go ahead and do um, score predictions for that if you want. Portland has really had Orlando's number over the, the, the couple of years that the, the team's been in the league. What do you think is going to happen there? It's it's in uh, Orlando, but the Pride have not been playing their best soccer of late. No, they haven't. Um, oh, you know, I, I I think it'll be a draw because why not? Um, because we would need a win, really, uh, trying to you know get some separation. Uh, so that won't happen. We'll, I think we'll maintain, but it, um, you know the Pride draw for the second time. All right. Yeah, I'm going to say 2-2 also on that one. I think Haran and Heath get a, a goal each, or maybe Haran and Sinclair. And, um, you know, somebody from the Pride busts out. Maybe maybe Morgan gets a brace, or Morgan and Marta. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel like a win. Uh, but it would be nice if it was. And everybody should go out and see the team play on Saturday. And the good news is, is when we both predict the same thing, it's almost categorically going to be wrong. Yes, and since we both predicted a draw, that that leaves a 50-50 chance. <laughs> well, we're at home. I'm hoping for you know. So anyway, saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. Okay. Well, um, we will be back to discuss it all next week. Of course, Orlando City at DC United, the Pride hosting the Thorns, and um, you know, if there's anything to talk about transfer-wise, we'll talk about it then. But uh, if there's nothing to happening on the transfer front we'll be back to bitch about it next week absolutely <laughs> that's because that's the way it goes uh again get that mail mail into us uh one of two ways twitter or the uh, the gmail and uh, we will be happy to answer any question you have so uh again i want to thank adam taylor from the filibuster podcast and black and red united for being our guest very nice to have him aboard and uh, Dave, you can be found on Twitter at Mainland Dave. At Mainland Dave, you're correct. And I believe you can be found on the Twitters at Mainland Michael. I can indeed be found there, can confirm 
that uh, mainland Michael is my account and I'm generally the guy running the, the mainland account as well. So, um, you know, there's that, you know, sure. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, we will, again, we'll be back to talk about it later. Should I, should I bother to see if there is a, any more uh, five-star reviews on uh, iTunes? Well, we might as well. I mean, we, uh, we forget to do that and then we feel bad and then we have to apologize so instead what we can do is I'll talk a little bit and explain how we're going to do it while you actually go and look it up yeah I already and did then... we don't have any new ones. okay there we go nothing new since no. May 16th <laughs> well I'm glad I said all those words for absolutely nothing yeah. alright guys uh, that will do it uh, you can please read our stuff at themainland.com you can uh, follow us on Twitter at the mainland. You can uh, like us on Facebook, and again, Facebook.com/slash/the-mainland. Make sure you get the the in the for for you know the beginning of that, and main is M-A-N-E, and that's basically how you find us. And uh, we will be back to do it again next week. On behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the Mainland.com, signing off the way I always do by saying, "Go City and go Pride."